seated. We're going to be back here tonight at 6 o'clock, but this service ain't over yet. And God's going to do some things. And I'm not going to judge you if you get up and have to go, but I encourage you just to push in a little bit today because, you see, I know something. some of you have been at ball games all week. lovely wife I didn't do it my lovely wife was at ball games all day 12 hours yesterday amen so let's just push in on God see what he'll do today okay brother Jimmy come let's bless the Lord today for the gift Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of every bit of it. Yes. I dishonor Pastor, Apostle, Bishop. I'm telling you, this man has just got a mandate on his life. His lovely wife, his parents. I'm just thankful to be back here. Tab, it's good to see every one of you. Some faces seem new. Some I seem like I, I seen last time I was here. But guys, I want us to take a journey this morning, and I want to be brief. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to feel sorry for how long we go. Because when you take vacation and go down to Myrtle Beach or Florida, don't we always see the plane that flies with the little thing hanging on the back and it says that the nudie bar is open from 12 a.m. to 4 in the morning and if a den of devils can stay open all day long to feed the lust of men, then I don't care how long we've got to go to have an encounter with Jesus. I don't care anymore about comfort and Christianity. I want an encounter with an almighty God. I'm being real, man. This nation was founded on great awakenings, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But literally, in the Appalachian Mountains, especially one called Cane Ridge, understand this about Cane Ridge in Kentucky. They said that in the Cane Ridge revival, that literally you would hear the revival before you ever got to the revival. They say that some people would travel some two, three, and four days' journey. For services that would last an entire day. How in the world would service last an entire day? Somebody would worship, then somebody would preach. Somebody would worship, then somebody would preach. Somebody would worship, then somebody would preach. And understand this, the preaching just did not come from the pastors. They said in the Cane Ridge Revival, when the pastors would get slain in the spirit, that nine and ten year old kids would step up on stumps and would declare the word of the God. I'm telling you right now, we're about to see some suddenlies in the church and God's about to mess up the program that we think is Christianity. So we're going to take a journey in the next two services. The first thing that I'm going to talk about today is the process. And then tonight I'm going to talk about the dream because you'll never receive the dream and the mandate and the call until you can begin to receive the process. And we're going to talk about a young man called the rich young ruler. And I don't think we should call him a rich young ruler, but I think that we should call him a greedy, ignorant, immature young man that could not see what was right in front of him. 
And the reason that I'm saying that we've got to begin to understand the process is, listen, I understand that in this last day mandate, it's a Malachi 5 mandate of the spirit of Elijah, the hearts of the father returning to the children and the children returning to the father. I understand that we're going to have to step into a place where we're going to have to take the wisdom of the gray hairs and begin to marry it to the zeal of a young generation. Hear what I'm saying. I don't want to see a young generation catch on fire with no wisdom. And I don't want to see an older generation just sit on wisdom with no fire. But I want to see this thing married together with the spirit of Elijah, where the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, but the violent begin to take it by force. I want to see the process of the Elijah mandate that in the days of a first and second great awakening, in the days after Azusa Street from 1906 to 1913, we begin to see mandate begin to happen within the culture. See, if you know some old saints well enough, even all the way up to the healing revivals of the 1940s, and then begin to find out in the Jesus people movement of the 70s, you'll begin to see that wisdom and zeal has to be married together. And when you see that, you see revival in in the second great awakening break out in the slave camps. You begin to see revival break out in the chicken coops. You begin to see revival break out in the farms. You see it happen in the barn. You begin to see it happen in the cotton field. You begin to see it happen in the streets. In the days of the Welsh revival in 1905 and 1906, it said the revival broke out in the bars. And the bars begin to turn to houses of worship and houses of prayer. I'm telling you, there's got to be a wisdom to go strategically into the enemy's camp and not just take back, but set up and take over. So in this, there are some things that we need to go back to because religion can jump in genes. Hear me, religion can be in our self-worship worship songs that Jesus doesn't even pass through our mind when we begin to sing songs. See what I'm saying? I'm telling you, God's about to raise up some irregulars. God's about to raise up some moms and dads. God's about to raise up, I'm telling you right now, things that you did not think were powerful are sitting on the very pews of this church. But you're going to have to begin to receive the process before you can receive the mandate. You're going to have to receive the process to follow Christ, not be a fan of Christianity, but be a disciple of Christianity. The church was not made to pacify people like a daycare, but the church was called to be a boot camp to raise up warriors for an end time army that says greater is he that is in me than anything that's in the world. I'm done with us being scared to go into crack houses. I'm done with us being scared to go into strip clubs. I'm done with us being scared to get anything around sex trafficking. Don't even begin to talk about pornography in the church. You better talk about pornography in the church because it's a click away, not just on your computer, but on the very phone that every child in America is getting addicted to. I'm telling you right now, we better get the mandate of the cross and the blood of Calvary. We better start preaching that sin is sin, and we better take a stand for the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to finish this race Even though I'm going to climb mountains, I know I'm going to be victorious. There's some language we need to bring back, Pastor. Like this. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Let me say it again. We need to get back to some language that I'm saved. I've been blood bought. My pay, I'm not talking about this thing where I just get a dabble of it and then I fall back into sin. Yeah, I'm not talking about once saved, always saved. But I'm talking about a man that laid naked between heaven and earth on a cross and died for my sin. And if I get one glimpse of that glory, I don't want to taste the bitter cup of the world anymore. We're giving a watered down Kool-Aid to the American people when we need to give them the wine of the Holy Ghost and a Oh, somebody got to begin to understand. I want the wine of the Holy Ghost that was poured out in Acts chapter 2. I'm done with repeating a prayer that wasn't in the Bible. Are you against the sinner's prayer? I am not. The prayers of the righteous availeth much. I am not against this sinner's prayer. But what I am about is this grace will cost you something. Your Christianity is going to cost you something. You know what it is? It's not your TV legalism. It's not your movies legalism. Understand this. When you begin to consecrate, if you consecrate because of discipline, it'll turn to legalism every time. But if you start to consecrate because you're in love, that's a whole nother story. Oh, I'm telling you right now, the moment I laid eyes on little Miss Tina, I'm telling you the world didn't exist anymore. Oh, listen, daddy used to go to the weight room three, four times an hour after work. But when daddy met Tina, oh my goodness, there was all I wanted to do was get in my truck and get to Miss Tina. I wanted to stay with her till the sun came up the next morning. I wasn't allowed to do that because I was a youth pastor. But I'm telling you, if I could have done it, I would have done it. There's something about when you really fall in love. I'm done with people being entertained with a wall down Kool-Aid and not the power. We need the resurrection power. We need the resurrection power. We need the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. John Wesley taught that it was the Holy Spirit that would convict the heart of a man and draw him to the Lord. Not smoking lights. I'm not against smoking lights. As long as they're anointed smoking lights. I'm not against 45-minute coffee and donuts because God can move in two minutes. But what I'm against is when we make Christianity so casual, there's really no conviction and no repentance. I'm against the fact that we dine at Satan's table six days a week and come in for a little dessert called Jesus for 45 minutes and we think the sweetness of saying his name is going to be enough to satisfy me. I don't want something for 45 minutes. I want something that's going to sustain me, set the captive free, let the blind see, let the deaf hear. I want to see the Jesus of the Bible begin to come alive in our territory once again. sanctified. Dallin loves when he travels with me because he's like, how do you take such long rabbit trails and come back? He's one of our elders at our church. Sanctification. Do you understand that the word sanctification means set apart? We don't want to preach that anymore because if you really want to understand, we don't know what set apart means. I'm going to tell you what set apart means. Set apart means that it means this. It does not mean build four walls Call it a church, quote unquote, mousetrap. Say that you've got the right trees to bring the rats in. Oh, that's not what it's about. Listen, the Bible says to go into the world, but what? Be set apart from the world. Be different from the world. He's telling you, you need to go into a tattoo parlor. 
You need to start getting led by the Lord. That's why we got to treat process first. And then we're going to head over later into the dream. Because inside you, there's dreams to set the sex addict free from sex slavery. There's, there's dreams in you to set the heroin addict free. There's ministries and dreams in this very room to deal with depression, insecurity, fear, and rejection. The very prison that you are calling home because we're people of habitation. I've been to the prison. And I'm telling you, when you walk in the gym, you see the pictures of the family. You see home sweet home. We should not be setting up habitation in places of prison when God has called us to be free. And not only should we be free, but we should be setting the captive free. And the reason we're not doing that is because we're giving people a watered down marshmallow rainbow Jesus when the Bible says that Yahweh is the Lord strong and mighty in battle. And beside him, there is no other. And with him, all things are possible. Sanctification means to set it apart. When you first get saved, there's three pieces to sanctification. The first part is positional sanctification. Positional sanctification means the day that you are saved, you are saved from what? The state of sin. The act of sin is what you fight against every day. And if I could begin to sit here and teach the doctrine of salvation, I would begin to teach Pentecostals that, listen, the Baptists have the majority of salvation right. Listen, every little thing that you do wrong is not going to break covenant with God because God's not looking at your sin. He's looking at your covenant. And so what the enemy tries to do with you through your sanctification is he tries to boggle you down because you're still stuck in things. Understand this. The Bible says that you're sealed to the day of redemption. Your spirit. The devil's after your what? soul. So what does the devil have hay with? Your soul. What's your soul made up of? Your mind, free will, and emotions. The devil can't touch. Listen, am I saying that you can't? I'm telling you right now, I can show you in the Bible where it says that you can backslide, but I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't bad enough to break the covenant. Only God can cast you away. That's not shout me down. That's deep. And you need to eat that meat right there. You want to know why? Because some of you will sit in depression, sit in fear, and sit in insecurity and begin to misunderstand the wilderness position is to get you to the place of the purpose. You're in the wilderness for a season. What? Because in the wilderness season, God will give you manna. But he's wanting you to go to the place of purpose where you can begin to take and conquer. But the problem is we'll sit in the wilderness too long. Listen to me to the depth of this thing. Wilderness was first a blessing. But a blessing can become a prison. It all depends on how you view God. When they came out of Egypt and went into the wilderness, that was a place of blessing. But the thing is, they stayed in that blessing too long. And that blessing became a prison because God does not want you to stand still in complacency and normalcy. But he wants you to catch on fire and be directed in the order that God has for your life. So the first part of the process is positional sanctification. The next part is progressive from seed time to harvest time. This is the worst. You want to know why? Because in this part of sanctification, you have to set your part. You have to set yourself apart from the world. And in setting yourself apart from the world, guess what happens in the place of process? 
your flesh gets thirsty. And in that place of process, God will give you water from a rock, but he doesn't want you to stay there. He tells Moses, give him water from a rock and he strikes it. Now here becomes our strength in the wilderness has to be the true rock. When Moses goes to strike the rock twice, God does what? Disqualifies him. You want to know why? Because at that moment, he becomes God. And a lot of the times in our process of relationships with people, the reason we can't understand relationship with God is because we're caught in a cycle called hero, victim, and villain. And nowhere in the Bible does God say that you're a victim. Nowhere does God tell you to be a hero. And nowhere does God tell you to be the villain. But you get caught in cycles of rejection, insecurity, fear, and it makes you feel good to be the hero. And you feel like you're getting things off of your chest when you become the villain. And God forbid you ever become the victim that people would persecute you and revile you for his name's sake. God forbid that the order steps of a righteous man be this way to break my pride and be this way so that I can heal a generation. God forbid that he take me through a valley so that I can learn some things that if I go through some hell, I can walk some people out of hell. Because the prophetic indication of Moses striking the rock twice. See, if he would have struck the rock twice, you know what would have happened, pastor? They would have remained thirsty the rest of their lives. But on Galgotha Hill, when the rock was struck the original second time, there was something that came forth that you would never thirst again. You better watch yourself thinking it's the will of God, Peter, when you go to cut somebody's ear off and it's God's intention. Mm. Can I be real with you? It's time to get a different view of God. You wanna know why? Because God doesn't wanna answer all of your prayers. That'll ruffle your feathers real quick, wouldn't it? You know who else's feathers it ruffled? Mary and Martha's when Lazarus died. And they sent to Jesus and they said, Jesus, your brother, your friend Lazarus is dying. See, you know what view they all had of God? The view that they saw in the wilderness. They seen him open blinded eyes. They seen him heal lepers. They knew him as a healer. But you know what they did not know him as? They did not know him as a resurrector. So you're looking at God to be a healing God. And God's want to resurrect some dead things in your life. So he can use them for the kingdom. You better listen to me. You better watch what you're praying for. It's time to get a new vision and dimension of God. And go in the direction he has for you. Because some of you in the room are crying this out. God, where are you? I'm waiting for you. You know what God's saying? I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. The last part of sanctification is complete sanctification. And we won't be a part of complete sanctification until what? Until we're standing on streets of gold. I'll be set apart from this world forever, Pastor. I'll be set apart forever at that point. So how do you know if you're in the process? I'm glad you asked. Open your Bibles to Mark 10. We're gonna take a quick journey and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna respond. Because the most ignorant thing that we do is stand still when God's moving. You're gonna have to respond to this thing. What's the old saying? Many are called, but few are chosen, right? Many are called, few are chosen. You know what religion will teach you? 
Many are called, few are chosen. Religion will teach every one of you this one thing. We're all called. But the chosen ones are the ones with the microphones, right? Is that not the process of religion? Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. I've heard it my whole life. Many are called, but you are chosen, brother. You got it. Many are called, but few are chosen. You're not the chosen one because you're not on staff full time. You're not the chosen one because you don't have a title. Is that not what religion has told you? But I'm telling you the true definition of this is that God is calling every one of us. But there's only few that will choose to answer the call. And the call is bigger than a microphone. The disciples did more works on the streets than they did in the temple. Will you choose the dream tonight? Tonight, will you come back and get commissioned to dream? Will you choose to dream? Will you choose the process? How do I know if I'm in the process? If you look in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says this. And now as he's going out on the road, there was one that came running before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Do you want to know what the rich young ruler was saying right there? He was saying this one thing. He was saying, what can I do for the event? What can I do for the conference? What can I do for a Sunday morning service? What can I do for this one time event with you that it'll get me from where I at to the next point? And he's saying, listen, it's not an event that's going to get you from A to B from seed time to harvest time, but it's a process that's going to get you from A to B. How do I know I'm in a process? How do I know that I'm in this process of sanctification, of being set apart? First thing you got to understand, when you get pregnant with something, the first thing that's going to happen is you're not going to see anything. You're not going to feel anything. Ask every woman that's been pregnant. When they first get pregnant with something, they just know. They don't feel anything. It wasn't until later in the first trimester, I remember my wife begin to weep and be, Jimmy, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here. Do you, f- put your hand on my belly. Do you feel it? No, you've gone crazy. See, even the people closest around you, when you get pregnant, won't feel what you feel. my wife began to feel butterflies that I couldn't feel in this process of the journey. Hear me. Some of us have got to be prepared for our actions. You want to know how your actions know that you're in a process and you're in need of something bigger than yourself? When have you ever seen a rich man run to somebody and then get down on their knees and begin to give them honor to a title that's bigger than yours? When have you ever seen Donald Trump run to a pastor and get down on his knees and begin to say, good master, good master, good master? See, you'll understand if you're in the process by your actions. If you're caught in depression and anger and attitudes, then guess what? It doesn't mean that you're disqualified for ministry. It just means that you're caught in a process where you've got to come to the place where you see God in a different view. See, and the biggest thing that you got to get past is you got to quit looking for a good thing. Because it wasn't a good thing that stood in front of that young boy. It was a great thing. It was the great I am. 
It was the Alpha and the Omega. It was the beginning and the end. It was the first and the last. Sometimes you're looking for something that's going to catapult you into your purpose, and you're looking towards the big platforms of the T.D. Jakes and the Joe Osteens and the Rod Parsleys and the Damon Thompsons and the Dutch Sheets, and what's going to accelerate you into the place of miracle signs and wonders is going to be what's right in front of you when nobody else is around, when nobody else is looking. Here is a young man that is in the secret place with God and does not even realize that the one that can catapult his future stands right in front of him. You're looking for the big thing, but God loves to move in the little thing. Hear what I'm saying, Tabernacle, this morning, 200 people. God's looking to do something with the little thing. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Let something begin to burn inside of you that can flip the world upside down. Let something begin to burn inside of you that when your shadow casts on somebody at work, they begin to scream out that they're healed. Because listen, if those things don't begin to happen, then this book is not alive and the God that's in this book is not real. I'm telling you, we're getting ready to come into a place where miracle signs and wonders are going to become a regular because we're going to quit looking for God to be somebody to write me a check and we're going to look for a God. That'll give me a job. That'll celebrate me something new. Jesus said, why do you call me good master? For no one is good, but that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. And he answered him and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept since my youth. Understand this, to engage in the process, hear me, quit looking at what you do right. The rich young ruler missed the process because he wanted Jesus, he wanted spiritual authority to celebrate what he does good. What two things did Jesus not mention here that he did not keep? I'll tell you. He mentions the law here because we're not under the dispensation of grace yet. So you know what he leaves out? The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He leaves out, don't make any idols that you will put over top of me. Jesus doesn't mention those. You want to know why? Because at this point, Jesus is wanting to see Will you allow me as your spiritual authority to cut on you where nobody else is looking? Well, I don't believe that that's all important. Then you've not read the book of Acts chapter 16 when grace has already happened. Nobody needs to be circumcised anymore. And Paul takes a spiritual son by the name of Timothy. And the moment that he comes in covenant with Timothy, you know what he does? He circumcises him. Didn't need to. Pastor don't need to correct you. I don't need to quit watching that on TV to make it to heaven. I don't need, talking about sanctification, right? We're talking about a culture of Christians that are supposed to be so radical that we're supposed to be casting out demons rather than watching demons as our entertainment on television. 
Oh, I'm telling you right now, we are going to get back to the place of resurrected holiness. I'm telling you right now, we are going to put on the garments of Jesus Christ and we're going to fall so in love with the spirit of adoption that I'm telling you, it's not going to be legalism. You're not going to want to watch TV. You're going to want to have a prayer meeting. You want to know why? Because the end results of the prayer meeting is going to be an answer. You're going to get to the place where you're so hungry for God and all you see is God answer, 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 answer. You want to know why? Because heaven's not closed up. Dude, the devil does not have power to close up heaven. Do you want to know what's shut up? The earth. The earth and the fullness thereof. We're satisfied with a half full cup when God's wanting to show you a new view. Do you remember in Acts chapter three when the beggar is standing on the side of the road and Peter and John walk up and they say, silver and gold, I have none, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Do you remember that? You know what's so awesome about that? That boy had one view of God. Give me money. God was saying, I'll give you more than money. I'll make you completely whole. Come heal Lazarus. I don't want to heal Lazarus. I want to raise him from the dead. God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask and think. And he'll do it through you. Not just pastor. Not just pastor, not legacy, all of you. Why did God allow you to go through that hell? Why did God allow you to go through that bad marriage? You've been sitting here asking God, God, why, 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 why? You were doing it up till Friday night. God, why, why? God said, don't ask me why, ask me what I'm doing. Because real people can minister to real people. Do you know what this city's crying out for? It's not another church. They're just crying out for real people like you. You are just as powerful, ma'am, as any TV evangelist on television. There's gifting in you that God wants to unlock. Some of you that have only been attending this church for a couple months, you're here tonight because I'm telling you, it's a tipping point. It's you have, you've just come into the investment of a man's prayers and a man's prayers. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm not worthy of this. But God said, I had it destined for you to be here the whole time. Revival? Don't chase revival. No, you better chase revival. You want to know why? Because revival is God's arrival. Revival is not three days of services. Revival is when man gets out of the way and God begins to show up in ways that we never could have ever imagined. God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask and think. A move of God will inconvenience you just like it has today. I'm going to finish with this. If Pastor Jamie will come to the piano. Then Jesus looked at him. Watch this. 
He loved him. He loved him. And he said to him, one thing, you lack just one thing. It's not the fact that you can jump in the fast songs. It's not the fact that you can come to prayer meeting every day. It's not the fact that you can work in the nursery. You lack one thing. Go your way and sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. What's your 30 pieces of silver, Judas? Judas loved him. But there was one thing Judas lacked. There was just something in his heart. I would hate to go so far with God and come to a place where I just, I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall. How many of you been there? I was talking with this brother the other night. He said, I felt like I could just go so far with God. And I just come to this place. See, sometimes it's places that you've stuffed. Some of you are professional stuffers in here. You've been wounded with those scars so many times that you'll run from the process. See, the one thing that he lacked is God wanted him to give up his money. See, I don't believe that that may be the issue in this place. The one thing that you may be holding on to is the last church hurt. This man and woman of God needs you. And you're sitting on the back row, not bashing the back row. But there's people that will only get so close to you. And then you may do one thing that's not intentional and be like, well, he's just like the last one. Some of you are holding hurts from your father, from your mother from friends, from co-workers. You know, the one thing that I've noticed about the devil is, you know, the day that you get saved, here's what he thinks. I lost one. But you know what I'm going to do? Just because you're saved now, I'm going to make you bitter. I'm going to make you miserable. And what you'll miss is the true love of spiritual authority. Because the law of process is this. I have spiritual sons back home in Ohio. You know how I know they're sons? Because I grab hold of them firmly. And I pull them close to me. And you want to know how you remove a lid off of somebody's life so they can live out their purpose? You have to start to apply pressure. Just like when Peter used to cut, or when Paul cut on Timothy's private areas. See, when people come to me at Overtaken, I could care less what they do ministry-wise. Do you love your wife? Do you love your children? Some of you don't know how to love your wives because all you saw was abuse your whole childhood. Your wife is crying out for security and your children... I'm telling you, God's taken us into a season of the field of dreams. And tonight, if you'll come back and embrace what God's doing right now, if you'll just stand all over this building. Can we dim the lights?
if nobody was in the room and it was just you and God, what are the thoughts that go through your head every day when you look in the mirror? Be honest with yourself right now. When you're alone, what's the enemy coming after your soul just keep trying to infiltrate into your mind? See, I could have preached about the dream first. And man, this is a message God's got me preaching everywhere. Because there is a dream inside of you. But there's a lid that can smother your dream, just like the rich young ruler. If he would have said yes to the process with Jesus, you know what he would have saw? He would have saw blinded eyes open. He would have saw deaf ears open. He would have saw Lazarus being raised from the dead. You know what he would have saw? A different view of God. Do you want to know why the angels call him holy? Because every time they fly around the throne and they bow down and look up, they bow down and look up. Do you know what happens? They see a different view of God yeah. every time. Yeah. How many of you, Sunday after Sunday, have been viewing God one way and in your mind you're going, he's not answering. He won't answer me. Why won't you answer me? Today he's saying, quit asking me why. I don't just want to heal your Lazarus. I want to raise it from the dead. I don't want to just give you money. I want to heal your crippled body. How many of you allow it to get cut to the heart today? How many of you will face some things that you haven't wanted to face? And when I say face them, they hurt. They want to attack you and they want to kill you every day, emotionally, scars. I'm setting Pastor up for something the next couple weeks. Didn't even know it. When David killed the lion and the bear, what did it say? He grabbed it by the beard. You're going to have to grab a hold of this thing. You're going to have to grab a hold of this addiction. You're going to have to grab a hold of these feelings. You're going to have to grab a hold of this hurt. And you're going to have to deal with it today. This is the tipping point. I'm going to allow myself to go through the process so I can dream with this man of God. Come on, will you come? Come, come, come. Come to the altar today. Come, come. Don't miss this opportunity. Come on. If you're not walking in the fullness that you know that God has for your life, come, come. Come on, remove lids. Remove lids off my life, God. Remove lids. Reveal things to me. Come on, if you want to come on, hear me today. I preached it. Who wants to see God in a different view? I'm telling you, where tabernacle praise is going, you're not going to be able to view God in the same way. I'm telling you, this revival is different. This revival is absolutely different. Come on, come on. We need the wisdom and the zeal to come together. We need the wisdom and the zeal to come together. If you're not responding to this altar call, then I want you to come and I want you to get behind somebody. Here's what we've gotten away from in the American church. We just sit back. No, this needs to be 100% participation. Because God's got plans for everybody in the room, Jeremiah 29, 11. We have to quit letting people do this alone.
come on, if you come on, you got family up here, come on. Come lay hands on them. Come on. Come on. There are wounds that are going to be healed, and you're going to see dreams come alive in this place tonight. You're going to see dreams come alive. We were never told to carry burdens. We were never told to carry burdens, but place them at the feet of Jesus and do not pick them up. Do not pick them up today. Do not pick them up. Do not pick them up. There's a roar. There's a rumble that's going to come out of this house. This morning was just the beginning of what you're going to see. I'm telling you tonight, you better bring somebody. There's going to be miracle signs and wonders in the house. There's going to be commissioning in the house. We're going to prophesy over people. Come on, but first thing that we got to do is there's got to be a cut to the heart. There's got to be a cut to the heart this morning. That I will give up everything to follow Jesus. I will give up everything. All oh, these altars are full. Tears are running down people's faces. That's deliverance, friend. That's deliverance, friend. Oh, there's a heaviness in this church that is being broken off today. Depression has to go in the name of Jesus. Insecurity has to go in the name of Jesus. Fear has to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're going to come and lay hands on you and begin to pray with you. Come on, get thirsty. Get hungry. If you're praying for somebody, take on their burdens. Take on their burdens. Take on their burdens. Take on their burdens. 